This program is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Bad Priest. Episode 3, Warm Piss. I guess Father Cole Bannon is back. I promised myself that things would be different this time around. I promised myself that when I got out of prison, I was done being a priest. I know, I know. You're supposed to find God in prison, not lose him. And while I discovered a lot of things in prison, none of them were the Lord. I did, however, meet a man named Tyrone who thought he was God. In fact, he was so convinced of this that he somehow managed to kill himself via stigmata. But that's as close as I got to God. Once again, I feel the collar on my throat. I can't believe it worked. I can't believe that seeing a priest at a strip club was such a foreign concept to the young officer that he'd been distracted enough for me to slip away. Clearly, his experience with priests was very different than mine. It's nice to have you back, Father. If this came from anyone else, I'd think they were mocking me. But not Diego. He brings his own hand up to his neck and massages the cross through his thin t-shirt. This too might look like a mocking gesture to a priest who was well known to have lost his faith. But not Diego. This was a real habit of his. Yeah, I guess I'm back. The words are like butter on my tongue. Butter that's been left out on the counter for a month. (sighs) And if I'm back... Then you want to work. I was going to say do the coke in my pocket, but Diego, as usual, is the voice of reason. Yeah, work. Speaking of which, I'm guessing you have a job for me. Even to me, the idea of working now, after just getting out of prison, seems ridiculous. But not working had nearly led to me getting arrested for possession and solicitation. And remember what I said about structure and routine? Nah, me neither. But it was something about needing it. Diego has a big smile on his face, and this feels comfortable too. Because Diego... My faithful friend and assistant is almost always smiling. Is, was, whatever. I do. He's beaming now. I don't share his jovial nature or enthusiasm. There's a girl in Albuquerque, 14 years old. Parents reached out to the church, but because the father is a non-believer, they don't want to help her. (sighs) Don't want to or can't. Diego shrugs. Let me guess, this girl has a history of drug use? Diego shrugs again, his way of saying yeah, without saying yeah. I'm not sure how many exorcisms I've performed. Even with the eight-year hiatus and the fact that I'd only been a priest for half that time before being locked up, it's got to be close to double digits. The pattern is almost always the same. A troubled girl with a history of drug abuse and addiction, maybe even prostitution, 
parents desperate to help their child, desperate to also avoid the truth, reach out to the church. This church, that church, it doesn't matter. They do their due diligence, but inevitably pass, citing that they don't believe the girl was actually possessed. I know different. The tortured soul is possessed, all right, but not by a demon or a supernatural entity. They're possessed by the drive for more artificial joy in the form of a pill or needle. Diego does the legwork. He speaks to the parents, tells them what to do. It's not all that complicated. Sequester the girl, tie her to a bed for a day, maybe even two. Just don't let them out, no matter what. This serves two purposes. One, the girl's violent withdrawal further convinces her parents of the possession. Two, it starts the healing process. And then Savior Father Cole Bannon appears. I have to tell you, Father, this one is a bit different. Diego has pulled over to the side of the road, and I look around. It's a low-class neighborhood, which also fits the pattern. The street is sun-bleached and mostly empty. Likewise for the houses. Yeah, how so? When Diego doesn't answer right away, I glance at him and discover that he's already staring at me from the front seat. He's no longer smiling. He's very violent, and I don't know... different. I resist the urge to roll my eyes. I can deal with a violent 14-year-old girl. I get out of the car. My shit's still in the trunk? Of course. I haven't touched anything since that day. Diego pops the trunk. It's all there, just like he said it would be. I reach inside and run the tips of my fingers over the worn leather Bible. It had been a gift from Father McCutcheon, my mentor and surrogate actual father. The rest included a wooden cross that I'd made out of wood from Home Depot while on a three-day bender, a black smock, and a clear vial that was supposed to be filled with holy water. I'm so sorry. I didn't get a chance to fill it. I grabbed the vial. This is one of my major props, and I can't exactly go into the house empty-handed. But as I glance up and down the desiccated street, there is no obvious source to fill it. My eyes drift to the house that Diego is staring at, the one that contains the allegedly possessed 14-year-old girl. I could go inside and fill it there, but if the parents saw me, especially the father whom Diego had already told me was a non-believer, the charade would be ruined. And then we wouldn't get paid. Look away, Diego. The man obliges, and I turn my back to the house. I'm not proud of what I do next, but there are a lot of things that I'm not proud about my life. This doesn't even crack the top ten. I unzip my pants and piss into the vial. I only fill it about a third of the way before emptying the rest of my bladder on the dusty road. Then I hold the vial up to the sun. The Johnny Red hasn't made its way through my system yet, because the liquid is relatively clear. Diego must have heard me peeing, because he's now staring at me, his eyes wide. I won't put it near her face. She probably smells like piss anyway. I'm not sure who I'm trying to convince, myself or my partner. You want to prepare? Speak to the family? Diego seems against the idea. Okay, you go ahead. I'll be one second, just get my smock on. When Diego leaves, I slip the heavy black robe over my t-shirt. After putting the Bible, vial, and cross in the oversized pockets, I reach into my jeans. The coke is still there, and I place a little bit of the powder on the back of my hand between thumb and forefinger. 
Davy wasn't lying. This shit is strong. I feel an instant rush, and the sun above me suddenly seems too bright. Whew. Energized by the cocaine coursing through my system, I wipe my nose, then hurry after Diego. He's right. If I'm back, then I'm going to work. What the hell else would I do? You already know what I'm going to say. Exorcisms don't change either. It's the same bullshit as the 1980s when they were in vogue. While in the clink, before I decided to give up the whole priest thing, I considered a move to online exorcisms, throwing holy water on the webcam and whatnot. Maybe one day, but today it's an exorcism in the flesh. Diego introduces me to the girl's mother first, a timid woman with dark hair pulled up into a bun. It looks as if she's the one who had been tied to a bed and hasn't slept in days. The girl is in her room. I nod, in full priest mode now. I know what the family wants. Is the father in there? I point toward the closed bedroom door. Yes. Good, then let's get started. The room is sweltering, and sweat immediately forms on my forehead and beneath my heavy black cloak. For some reason, I notice the girl's father first. Like his wife, he's also small, and the fact that he's sitting in a chair with his shoulders slumped makes him look tiny. The man, who is drenched with sweat, doesn't even look up as I enter. As my eyes drift to the girl who's strapped to the bed, I'm briefly aware of the fact that Diego and her mother have slipped into the room behind me and closed the door. Nothing about this scene is unique to me. I'm not shocked by the fact that the 14-year-old girl has been stripped naked, or that her ankles are crudely attached to the bed frame using what looks like leather belts. Her hands are likewise pinned to the frame above her head. Unlike her father, the girl immediately notices me and her greasy, pimple-covered face turns in my direction. Long tendrils of sweaty black hair hang in front of her eyes, but she clearly sees me and bares her teeth. Fuck you! Her voice is hoarse, and I briefly wonder if she's been strapped to the bed for longer than two days. I do my best to ignore her and find a small dresser where I can set up my materials. Fuck you, you cocksucking priest! Diego arranges my cross and the Bible while I deal with the piss-filled vial. We do this with her back to her. Am I too old for you, father? Is that why you don't, don't want to look, look at my, my pussy? pussy? Or maybe, maybe it's because, because I don't have a dick for you to stare at, you child molesting faggot. <laughs> I open the Bible, and the cracked spine leads me to the correct page. Mark 16. Holding the Bible in one hand, the vial in the other, I turn and stare the girl directly in the face. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. I splash just the tiniest bit of holy water on the girl's lower legs. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. Her growling intensifies, and now she's writhing against her leather bonds. This too is an unusual, disturbing, sure... But I'm pretty sure I can read green eggs and ham and splash her with Mountain Dew and achieve the same result. It's the drugs fleeing her system, not Beelzebub. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. 
They shall lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover. I swap the vial for a cross and hold the wood close to her skin. There is no burning sensation like in the movies, although I once considered building a prop that would give the impression that the girl's skin was on fire. Just never got around to it. The girl thrashes more violently against her bonds. And they shall recover! Diego joins me now, as per our custom. And they they shall recover! And they they shall shall recover! recover. It's after this fourth utterance that I notice something. It's just the heat and the coke, I think. But then I remember thinking something similar not that long ago. Back at Denise's, when the girl in pink's voice and eyes changed, I thought it a lighting trick. And now it was the heat and coke? My eyes focus on the girl's glistening belly, thin and narrow as it is, and I see a flicker of movement. What the fuck? It looks like fingers raking across her flesh, but on the inside, Diego nudges me. And they shall recover! And they shall recover! And they they shall shall recover. My voice falters as I see more movement beneath her flesh. Not just one hand, but two bony appendages stretching her already taut skin to near bursting. Diego picks up my slack. And they shall recover. My head is spinning. I shouldn't have done the coke. Or maybe I should have drank a glass of water. I don't feel so well. Again, Diego nudges me but I don't have the strength to continue. He does, however, and I think that maybe the girl's mother is chanting along with them, chanting that same damn line, they shall recover. The heat isn't just sweltering now, but oppressive, and I take a step backward. My balance is off and I lose my footing. As I go down, my elbow bumps the table, knocking over the vial that I'd placed on top. It falls to the floor and smashes, and my thick black robe laps up the warm piss. All the while, Diego and the woman keep on chanting, but now I hear something else. A swirling wind of some sort. Lying on the floor, I can only stare at the girl's body, which is now arched and straining her bindings to the maximum. Then her eyes snap to me, and I see the same reptilian irises that I had back at Denise's. Fuck! There's a loud, deafening, whooshing sound, and something strikes me directly in the face. I fly backwards knocking over the entire dresser as the girl's body collapses onto the sopping mattress. Somewhere far away, I hear Diego shouting at me. Then everything goes silent. I can't see anything. My world is dark. I don't hear the wind. I don't hear Diego or the woman or the growling addict in withdrawal on the bed. I hear, see, and feel nothing. Then... A voice materializes out of the darkness. Hello, Father Banner. This has been Bad Priest, Episode 3, a PTL Books and Pathological Inc. production. Written, produced, mixed, and narrated by Patrick Logan. Additional voice acting by Ashley Logan. If you've enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe. 
You can also visit us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash badpriestpodcast. Thank <laughs> you.